Well, do we want to just love the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Wow. Jesus is just really good. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Well, there's going to be a whole lot more of that, what the Lord wants to do. It's always wonderful to be here in Boise and be at Life Church. Aaron and I consider it an honor. I was telling Brother Moore the other night, I said, you know, uh, Mark, we were just reminding him that uh, we were all related. And I said, you know, he's my brother-in-law. I said, but I find myself extremely honored and very privileged every time I come. So, you know, this isn't just, uh, again, uh, relatives and families taking the pulpit. There's meaning in what's going on here. Amen. And uh, so good things, good things are happening. Uh, how about at Life Church? Are you guys growing and, and just loving Jesus more? And there's this crazy Bible school thing that's going on that's just sending people out into ministry. I mean, if it just sent one person out, like our dear brother right here, that'd be good. But it's just one after another now. And it's just going to get better. Amen. I, I've, I've been privileged to speak in the Bible school. Man, there's all kinds of unction there and good things happening. Amen. So uh, something's happening in this church. Praise the Lord. Now, I just speak over you. You must contend, all of you, for demonstrations of the Spirit of God. You know, Paul went over there, you know, to Athens and at the Areopagus, you know, he was preaching. And, of course, he walked by a bunch of statues and there was one with no name to the unknown God, you know. And he said, in him we live and move and have our being. Well, that was tricky. That was nice. In other words, that was, you could say, uh, you know, very prolific of Paul to say it like that. But he didn't mention Jesus. He just said, in him we live and move and have our God, the unknown God. See, you got to mention Jesus. you got to do it by script. Because Paul went, got up, and he preached a flowery message. And what happened is, is Paul, Paul reverted back to his philosophical days where it was all about, you know, the mind, the soul, you know, being philosophically fit to speak in front of people. And hardly anybody followed him. Hardly anybody got saved. And it's the only place where he didn't start a church. Hmm. But right after, you know, he, he's, uh, he's feeling his oats, so to speak, he comes over to Corinth and then writes a letter and talks about, when I came to you, I came, you know, uh, trembling, uh, humbled out. I, I'm not preaching what I did back then. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that there would be a demonstration of the Spirit of God in power, that your faith would be in the power of God. Now, realize our faith is, is, if you will, is encouraged, awakened, and strengthened in the words of God, in the words of God. Words come in two different manners. It comes from other people that have already spoken them, which were rhema to them. In other words, God spoke to them, and then they write, wrote something down. Well, the same anointing that's in that rhema that came to them that now has become, if you will, the logos or written word, the same anointing is in that word when it comes into the soil of your heart. So you can receive the same thing that was penned when you read it. But then, you know, God, God hasn't stopped talking to people because this whole new covenant was actually about making a way for people to come into the presence of God and actually have a relationship. 
a sit down, walking together, talking together, day by day by day, you're conscious and aware that he's real and he's with me at all times. And when you're more aware of him than you are of your circumstances, guaranteed, you're going to walk in what's called demonstrations of the Spirit. So we must contend, Life Church, for the demonstrations of the Spirit of God. And it has as much to do with the pulpit as it does the pew or the pew as it does the pulpit. We're living in a day where it's time that the believers receive answers by faith. Forty years of faith teaching, and it's time for us to go to the actual end of the faith experience, which is what? Experiencing what you're believing by faith. Now, I say that with experience of traveling from church to church to church to church to church. And, you know, I've said this before, and I don't necessarily mean it to be funny, but it comes out funny, and that is people are still excited about faith as long as they don't have to use theirs. (laughs) And all that says is, very specifically, you know, there's been enough negative experiences, quote-unquote, trying to use faith, that we've kind of given up on the faith walk. But everything we do is by faith. I believe the day we're walking in will be a day where it's not so much about a healing revival, a prosperity revival, and yet all of that works together. I believe it'll just be a God revival. People finding God. People experiencing God. And when you find God and there's a need in your life, you also experience the need being met. God's moved us now to Castle Rock, Colorado, which we love Castle Rock. It's about uh, 10 to 15 degrees uh, cooler there. (laughs) We still have the dryness and everything, but... Somehow or another, we seem to have, we don't have the temperature swings that you have here. It's, it's not as cold there, and it's not as hot there. It's just kind of right, you know? <laughs> Amen. The porridge is too hot. The porridge is too cold. The porridge is just right. So anyhow, God's moved us out there, and we've started this healing center. We're in a hotel right now. People are starting to come. We thank God. Good things are starting to happen. A fun report we had with a guy with fourth stage cancer, given up to die. We went ahead and prayed over prayer cloth. Some of the people that came, you know, and that are helping us, they took it to this individual. When he got it, he didn't really know what to do. Don't you love it when you don't know what to do? Then you do whatever you would do versus you do what somebody else has done. He rubbed it all over his body. He He didn't know what to do. But three days later, they said, uh, you don't have any more cancer left. We're going to start a rubbing it all over your body ministry. (laughs) Amen. Amen. If it works for one, it can work for another. Praise the Lord. So we're really, really wonderfully experiencing some good things. God's just doing great things. I'm excited about where the body of Christ is going to go within just months and a few short years. Amen. So it's exciting to be in a church like this where your pastors 
are right on target with where they're going. So you're not going to miss anything. They're going to be able to help and, and direct and uh, encourage you to live out this wonderful life that even in the last couple of nights we've heard about. This amazing, blessed life. Amen. And so uh, as I get ready for tonight, you know, to to do some things here. Uh, I like to recap just a little bit. And of course, I'm not putting anything in uh, anybody's mouth. You know, I'm not putting words in Pastor Mark's mouth with the sermon on Monday night or with uh, Brother Keith uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. But you begin to recap a little bit, and you see the Holy Ghost actually putting some things together for what we're going to do tonight, what the Lord put in my heart to do tonight, to talk about how God does what God does so that you can have a greater expectation for it. And you can see that in Monday night. You know, Pastor Mark's talking about the difference between the world of the flesh and the world of the spirit. There are two different worlds. We've got to get comfortable with the world of the spirit like we've been comfortable with the world of the flesh. Now, the idea that our senses are very, very keen to the world of the flesh just means we've become good at it. Amen? And all of us are good at fleshing out. I mean, in your greatest spiritual moment, it just takes one thing for just, just to end up in drama, you know? And you got to remind yourself, what, what am I doing? That's not who I really am. And that's right. That's not who you are. A relative called me, and, and uh, thank God for the Spirit of God to minister to her. Amen. And uh, she was feeling so bad and beaten up and shameful because she wanted to take her life. And so she just asked me, she said, do you feel like it's weird that I'm having these feelings? And I said, well, those feelings aren't you. So I have amazing thoughts about you. Those feelings come directly from the enemy. It's from the outside. It's not from what you are on the inside. And she said, you always have the most encouraging words for me. And just like that, it was over. Huh. You mean I didn't have to believe that lie? <laughs> that wasn't you. And I'm so thankful we're finding out who we really are in him. And it's going to lead us into one experience with God after another. Well, love what was you know, Pastor Mark shared with me some of the things that were taking place on Monday. I love the direction he was going. Why? Because you talk about the fish, you talk about the loaves, you talk about Peter walking on the water. Now, the interesting thing is only 8.3%, and that's an actual percentage that's in the Bible for believers, 8.3%. You say, where do you get that? Well, the parable of the sower. You've got four different grounds, so there's 25% for each ground. And the fourth soil was the good soil. So that's 25% actually received something. In that 25%, it was broken down into 30%. 30%, in other words, thirds. 30% got 30, or 33%, you could say, got 30%. 33% got 60. 33% got 100%. So 100%, if you do your math, is 8.3%. Twelve disciples in a boat, one got out, that's 83 So when you begin and look at Jesus saying, you know, there's a narrow road and there's only a few that are on it. It is a few. But there's a wide road and great is the destruction. There's a lot. 
So what does that mean? Well, when I hear sermons like what Pastor Mark was preaching, of course, it really inspires me because if only one got out, then there's a reason why the other 11 didn't. And for you to walk in the Spirit, you're always going to come to a point of contention within yourself. You're going to meet yourself, and you're going to find yourself saying, I cannot get out and walk on that water, even though Jesus said. And 11 will say, I can't do it, while one gets out and doesn't think. See, that's a really good message right there. If you don't think, you don't sink. (laughs) Right? Another good thought is, if you cut off your head, you will instantly be healed. Another good thought is healing is really simple if it weren't for the body. Because every statement goes to the heart of you being a spirit. And the spiritual connection to God overrides everything from this natural or earthly world where your flesh dominates. One got out of the boat. He didn't think. He began to walk until he then got to Jesus. And then he began to think, which was actually the reason why he began to. And isn't it interesting? He began to sink. He didn't just kerplunk. When's the last time you stepped out to go water skiing and you actually just began to go into the water? (laughs) Don't you usually go under before you actually come up? But you just began and you actually didn't get all the way wet. Now, my brother-in-law, you know, he thinks that that, uh, skiing is meant to go off a dock, ski and have all kinds of fun, and then ski and let go right back so where you step back onto the dock. He didn't know that skiing, you're supposed to get wet. I wish I could do it like he does it. In every situation you see with Jesus, he just made it look easy. What made him make it look easy? What Brother Moore was talking about. But there's always a point of contention. Huh, we got this little lunch. You know, some of, some of the theologians said that the fish were sardines. Maybe they weren't actually breaking big pieces of fish off. I don't know whether it was or not. But isn't it pretty amazing that he fed some 10, 10 to 20, 30,000 people and actually had leftovers? God believes in leftovers. Do you, do you guys like leftovers? <laughs> Jesus made everything easy. Why? Because of his relationship and constant connection. <clears throat> Brother Moore talked about that. Abide in him and, as, and his words abide in you. The word words means what? Rhema. So what is that scripture talking about? It's pure relationship. I'm abiding in him and the things that he's sharing with me are abiding in me. Isn't that interesting? Without going there, John chapter 5, you know, Jesus is defending himself about healing the man at the pool of Bethesda. And he said, you know, that it was my father that did it. And of course, the Pharisees got all mad at him. And he said, well, my father's always working and I too am always working. And that didn't make them any happier there. They said, who are you? Blasphemy that you being a man make yourself God. No, Jesus didn't make himself God. God did. You didn't make yourself a son or a daughter of God. God did. And as long as he's the one that made you like he made you, then you don't have to feel bad about being who you are. We're the only part of God's creation that work on being what we be. When's the last time you saw a dog or a cat or a donkey? 
feeling really bad about what it be. <laughs> it just does what it does because it is. Why don't we just start doing what we do because we are? We always got to get our mind in the way and try to figure it out. Stop figuring it out. Run on the water. Walk on the water. Amen. Now, even though you might say there's only a small percentage that'll do it, the small percentage that do it encourage the others to get in. I've always thought about Peter walking on the water, 8.3%. And then I thought, well, you know, what, what about the other pansies that were in the boat? And then I thought, well, you know, they weren't necessarily like that. There was competition with them. Right? You got a couple sons of thunder wanting to call down fire. Then mama's trying to figure out which one's going to sit on the right hand of God of the throne, right? And then you got John, sneaky John, sneaky John, who writes about Jesus being resurrected, and we ran, him and Peter ran to the tomb, but the one who writes to you outran Peter. <laughs> really? But yet he forgot to say he was too chicken to go in, so he got there first, but then waited for Peter just to go in. So when they saw Peter walk on the boat, why didn't the rest of them get out? They could have pushed the boat to shore. They all really didn't need it. But then again, what are we seeing? We're seeing the place where the spirit and flesh collide. And to the degree that one is more real than the other, that's your default. And if your default is the flesh, that's the way we've always done it. In the middle of a crisis, no matter how much you say what you say, you'll go back to the way you've done it. So something's going to have to change deep within your heart. And the things that's supposed to change is your salvation. Well, it didn't really change a whole lot in my salvation. Well, that's because we've got salvations where people think the whole end result of your salvation is just coming to the church. It's actually your encounter. And not your only encounter, your first of many. Oh, glory, you got saved. Yes, we do clap for people that make it into the race. Joe, John, Peter, they're all in the race. But the real applause is for the guy that runs the race and finishes first. So your first encounter of salvation it's just your first. You're in the race now. But have another one. And then another one. You mean I can have another piece of pie? Yes. It's for you. Well, then I can have as many as... Yes, you can have as many as you want. On our adventure in grace, we just got through. In fact, we have a, maybe one more night uh, on our videos of talking about the sightseeing theory. Say, what is the sightseeing theory? Well... It just means we pulled up to the Grand Canyon, and people view the Grand Canyon differently. Some are just thrilled to be there. <laughs> hey, we got here. That's awesome. Are we going to see it? Well, no, we, we, we got here. <laughs> and then some see it. They see, okay, that's it. Let's get back in the car. But Dad, no, no, we saw it. And then others, before they even see it, they go to the gift shop because it's all about having the T-shirt. Two weeks later, somebody says, you went to the Grand Canyon? I did. What was it like? Well, I mean, the gift shop's amazing. <laughs> Someone else, it's all about what? It's all about taking pictures. 
I got a photo album of the Grand Canyon. Did you see it? Well, I saw it through the lens. And then there's somebody that just has to have the whole experience. Sign me up for every tour. Yes, I'll go to the gift shop. Yes, I'm taking pictures, but I'm seeing everything from the top to the bottom, from the side to the... You see, it's all about desire. It's all about curiosity. It's all about passion and your hunger level that'll take you somewhere where someone else doesn't go. That's right. Who's hungry to go further than you've ever gone before? I stay hungry. You say, how come? Because I got to look at people that are sick. Oh, praise the Lord. So I love what Jesus said. And then I'll just sum things up and we'll go right to the scriptures. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27 to 30 in the Message Bible. This is what we always quote for our Adventures in Grace videos. We do those two times a week, Tuesday and Friday. They're just 17 to 20 minute videos. And the whole purpose is to help you to allow God the pleasure of coming out of the pages of your Bible and getting into your life. In fact, we just finished a new book. It should be out next month. It's called What's Next, Papa? And that comes from Romans chapter 8. The New King James talk about Abba Father, which is a term of endearment. The Message Bible says, what's next, Papa? This life that we live with him is not a grave-tending life, but an adventurously expectant childlike life. What's next, Papa? And I understand that. I understood that with my three girls that we raised, but even so much more now that we've got grandsons. And that's just a riot. And it's all about, come on, Papa, let's do something else. What else can we do? And that's Christianity. One experience to the next experience to the next experience to the next experience. Isn't that what Brother Moore was talking about? This life of servanthood, this life of, of hospitality is really a life of relationship with God that becomes so real you take after the attitude of God. Because if you were hanging around somebody else, you take after the attitude of them. Bad company corrupts good morals. Then God's company will completely change yours. You'll start thinking like him because what is God? God is love. And what will you start doing? You'll start acting like God will start acting. And that life of love, again, always has a place of contention. What is it? I'm too tired. Ah, another person? Come on, we have, we have to work with this. Out on the road constantly, we just had one day home before we had to come here. And then you're out again. And there's times I get home, and there's nothing in me that I want to get on a phone and make a call to somebody. When I know if I'm going to help them, it's going to take 45 minutes to an hour. Why don't you just pray for them? It won't work if all you do, thank you, Lord, I praise you, I command the healing, I command the blessing. No, you got to figure out why, because they've already had that. Why are they in this situation? So you got to talk with them. And the more you talk with them, the more you begin to let the Holy Spirit help you to know what to say. And that's where things get broken or that's where things get fixed. Either way, depending on how you look at that. 
And so how many opportunities do I have to do that? A lot. And how many times do I have to say, I can't talk to another person. I'm done. I'm spent. See, there's always a place of the flesh in everything we do. And we want to get good at what? The spirit. Does your spirit have senses? Absolutely. Your spirit sees, your spirit hears, your spirit smells, your spirit tastes, your spirit can touch. The physical senses of man are mere reflection or mere image of your spiritual man and his senses. When Jesus said you're going to come alive when you experience him, that doesn't mean you come alive spiritually, but you're dead to the spiritual world. No, that means all your sensories come alive to the spiritual world. You begin to hear him as though he's your mother tongue. We talked about that verse in the Message Bible over there in Romans chapter 6, and verse 10 and 11. Now that sin speaks your dead language and means nothing to you, God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. Wow, that's pretty awesome. When does that happen? The moment you're born again, you begin to hear God. And you hear him clearly. You begin to sense his presence. He becomes real to you. And your spirit is alive. And the experiences of your spirit will begin to drown out the experiences of your flesh. This is called walking in the spirit. Brother Moore talked about that. If you are led by the spirit, you'll no longer be under the compulsion of the law. Amen. Some things are really coming together in these services, and right here tonight, I want to take you into how does God do what he does. So let's look at Mark chapter 9. I'm going to go through this quickly, Mark chapter 9, and I'm looking in verse 23, and I'm going to call this the world of possibilities. Jesus said to that man with that young, young lad that had that devil in him that the devil tried to put him into the fire or put him into the, into the water and drown him, and Jesus came and cast that devil out after his disciples could not cast that devil out. Now, which disciples were trying to cast the devil out? Nine of them. He said, how come there are only nine? Because Jesus was up in the mountain with three of them. Peter, James, and John, they were up in the mountain. And when the cloud, while Jesus was talking to Moses and Elijah, the cloud overshadowed them. And I love how the Message Bible says they became deeply aware of God. And the reason why I like that is because that's on one end. Deeply aware, not aware. Somewhere in between, a little aware, much more aware. Where are we in our awareness of God? They became deeply aware of God. Now, how would that benefit them if they were going to cast that devil out? Well, the more deeply aware of him, the more you use of him. The less aware of him you are, the less of the anointing you release from you because the anointing has everything to do with your consciousness of God himself. So Jesus is in the presence of God. Those three disciples are in the presence of God and the other nine weren't experiencing that. And they must have been on the side of not too aware Possibly some of them, not aware at all. How could we not cast this devil out? Because of your unbelief. This kind comes out by what? Prayer and fasting. What was Jesus trying to say? Giving them a prescription for how to become more aware. Right. 
Fasting means I take the world and what is most real to me and I turn it down. While I turn my back on it, I then put my face toward God. So what I then decrease gives me the ability to increase something else. You can't increase two things at the same time because you can't multitask in the spirit. So everything has to go up and down. If the world is real to you, God's not. If God's real to you, it's because the world is not. Prayer and fasting will fix that. You fast something in the world where it no longer has a hold on you and you turn your face toward God and he becomes more real in the midst of turning something else down. Someone says, well, I don't know if I hear the voice of God like I ought to. Well, then turn down the volume of the voice you're hearing. Hey, can you turn down that music? I can't hear anything in here. See, that's a normal statement that we make in a household when someone's got the volume up way too loud, right? And it seems very normal. No, it doesn't mean it's up so loud. Now I have to shout at the top of my lungs. No, turn that down so you can hear me. That's how you find God. He's not real to me. Well, then what is real to you? Turn that down so that he becomes more real. Remember, remember, he's everywhere. How do you not find somebody that's everywhere? Unless you're too attached to something that's not. Like he's here right now. And since we're actually giving our attention to him, remember what we've been talking about? Pastor Mark talking about the two different worlds. Peter got out and walked. Jesus multiplied those fish. See, the moment you turn toward the world of the unseen, it activates. We're going to scientifically prove that tomorrow night. You got to find out how God does what he does. This is what saved my neck in healing school years and years ago. And still to this day, God's perfecting it in me, becoming aware of that other world. Daring to believe that God's in the movement of my faith. Even when I see nothing and that person looks like they're crippled. I'm talking to a bunch of ushers. 4.10 in the afternoon, which was very odd for me because I'm doing healing school five days a week. So I don't need to preach a long time. So we'd, we'd start at 2.15, I'd get it by 2.30, and I'd usually be done by 3.30, for sure. So I'm talking to them about football, and in walks a woman, and she, have you ever seen somebody walk in like this where their body's twisted? They can't twist, they're twisted like this? She walked in to the room. She said, oh, oh is this healing school? I said, yes, ma'am, it is. Oh, I made it. See, Grand Canyon, I made it. Are you the healing school instructor? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. Oh, so good. Would you pray for me? And I tapped my watch and I said, whoo, it's 4.15. I said, healing school's been over for a long time. You'll have to come back tomorrow. And then I started talking to the guys again, ignored her. And she said, you mean you won't pray? You interrupt me. You mean you won't pray for me? I said, well, 4.15. I said, it's already over. I said, did you know that it was 2.15 that we started? She said, Yes. I said, people that want to get healed, get here on time. Yeah. 
And now tears started down her face. Aaron would always ask me back in that day, did you make anybody cry? <laughs> it was a regular. And I wasn't being mean. I was wanting to, I only had moments to get them to change the way they were seeing life. So I, she said, you mean you're not going to pray for me? I said, well, I'll pray for you, but on one condition. She said, what's the condition? I said, you have to be healed. Oh, yes. Well, that's why I came. I said, well, what that means is you're going to run around the room. She said, well, I mean, I'll be healed, you know. And I said, yes, I do know. That's the condition. You're going to have to be healed, which means you're going to run around the room. And she said, well, you know, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, yes, I believe I'll be healed. And I said, lady, listen, 4.15, you're late, and now you're messing this whole thing up. I said, can you get yourself in neutral? Neutral. Neutral. She said, I'll try. I said, okay, let's see it. And she's like... And I said, are you there yet? She said, almost. I said, okay, get there, get there. That's where you're not thinking. You know, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. At least there's neutral. She said, I think I'm there. I said, good. I said, in the name of Jesus. She said, is that it? I said, at 415, that's all you get. The ushers are like screaming, like, oh, my Lord, what's happening here? And I grabbed her arm, and I took off running. And she's screaming because I'm dragging her. <laughs> Screams. Halfway around the room, the power of God, like she ran into a wall. And I heard bones, crack, 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 and she was perfectly straight, and then outran me the rest of the way. When I came back up to the front, she's over there going, oh, my Lord, where did it go? Where did it go? I said, neutral, neutral. You want to find it? She said, oh, no. I said, neutral. What makes that transition for that to happen? I have to believe that my motion of faith ignites this other world, whether I feel it or see it initially. He's either there or he's not. He either is or he isn't. What he said is either true or it's not. He either lives in me or he doesn't. But if he does, yes. and he's true, yes. then something has to change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, amen. Something's getting ready to happen in here. So it says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are, help me, 
possible to him who... It's the realm of possibility. You get God and you get belief and you stick them together and things will happen that can't happen. That can't happen. Yes, it can. Are you sure? Absolutely. How do you know? It's up to you. How big's your imagination? What do you see? Because what you see and what you believe and what you can imagine to be so is the blueprint to the action of your faith. Well, I look over here in Luke chapter 1. You know the Spirit of God. In 35, New King James Version said, The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Isn't that interesting? You got the Holy Spirit and power. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Say it with me. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. And, and power. power. Look at what the angel said. The Holy Ghost will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Woo! That's only when I feel it. No, it's when you don't feel it. But you can believe it. No one can take your belief away from you. This is what you have. Stand in front of a firing squad. Either say Jesus is Lord or die. You can't take it away. Jesus is Lord. Shoot! Can't take my ability to believe away. Why? The world didn't give it to me. God did. God made me this way. Whoo, glory. Okay, and notice it goes a little further. Say, therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born shall be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and is now in the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be what? impossible. Uh Uh-huh. Matthew chapter 19, 26 says, Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things, help me, are possible. Oh, there's a world of possibilities that only God and humans can touch. Satan can't touch that world. He's not in the image and likeness of God. Only we are. He can't stand this. Now think about this. If you've been turned over the authority and dominion of what God gave Adam, and it was turned over to Satan, then why didn't he just blow up this planet? Why did he just ruin it instantly? Why did he just get rid of all of us if he had the authority and dominion? Because he can't. He can't operate in the anointing that God gave Adam. He can only manipulate you to operate negatively to turn the world upside down. He can't make it happen himself. That's why he always has to use people. Because human beings step into the realm of possibilities. Satan never has stepped into the realm of possibilities. He only perverts and distorts what man and God can create. Talk about rubbing it in his face. Hey, loser, how's it going today? 
<laughs> you know you've got nothing on me. Why? Because I'm not going to buy into your bag of tricks. Where does that take us? Right back to what Brother Keith was talking about. The adherence to the word and will of God. Mm, come on, let's look at this real quickly, all right? We're over at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. How does God do what God does? Real quickly, we're going to look at this, and just in a few moments, all kinds of things are going to happen in this room. Man, people that got problems in their lungs are going to get healed right here, right here tonight. Praise the Lord. A lot of other things, too. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, it says, Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created, this is a passion translation, and beautifully ordained or coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. The invisible realm. That's the world of possibilities. We live in that world if you're a spirit, you live in that world. If you're made in the image and likeness of God, you actually have the ownership of operating in that world. New King James Version said, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things, oh, this is good, the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, what word is the same or duplicated in this verse of Scripture? Tell me what word. What word do you see twice? Things. Do you mean the world that's not seen? Things? That means, that doesn't mean the idea, but there's composition, materiality that make up things in the unseen world. In other words, this isn't about mind science trying to, trying to create something that doesn't exist. It's just not to your physical senses. But the things of the other world are very much real. For those things actually brought composition and materiality to this world. This world is only a world of things because the things in that world created it. And you have a pass into that world to bring those things into this life so that you walk in the will of God. God. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of my Father. How did he do the will of the Father? He used the things from the other world. <laughs> yeah, John chapter 3, talking to Nicodemus about this other world. Must be born again. Oh, man, how's, how do you get back into your brother's world? Nicodemus, really? <laughs> You're a ruler of the Jews, and you don't know these things? He said, if I talk to you about earthly things, like Nicodemus, what's, what's, what do you feel right now? Well, I feel a breeze. Yes, 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 yes. Talk to me about that breeze. you know where it's coming from, where it's going? Well, not really, but you can see what it does by what it moves. Yes, Jesus said, that's what it's like with the Spirit of God. So now he's giving earthly examples of things that we know to help pull Nicodemus into the world of seeing yeah how God actually does what he does. And then Nicodemus freaked out again and said, I just really can't get this. And then Jesus said this, if I share things that you do know and you don't believe, what if I went right to the heart of the things you don't know? Because I could just talk about those all day. And then he said this, for he that hath ascended is also he that hath descended. It is the son of man who is in heaven. Wait a minute. You went up and then you came down. 
And then you're in heaven, but you're on the earth. Like yo-yo. Where are you? That's a good question. He's in both places at the same time. While he walks in a physical body here, he lives out of his spirit up Now you understand what it meant for Jesus to obey the commands of his Father. He was connected. When your plug is in the socket and electricity flows through it, you can put your toast in and get the bread to actually heat up until it's toast. Things work better when there's power. You found that out Monday night. And we sat home saying, when are we going to see it? When are we going to see it? And then you came on and said, hey, everybody, <laughs> praise the Lord. Just stand by. We're working on it. Right? Because we needed the power. The power, how Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost. And, ah, oh, there was some ability. Where did he touch on that? The other world. Genesis. Chapter 1. Real quickly, see this. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, when you look at the word God, it means Elohim, the one true and only God. And that does not mean in the beginning the Father created. No, no, no. That does not mean in the beginning Jesus. No, no, no. In the beginning the Holy... No. It means in the beginning the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost created the heavens and the earth. All three of them worked Together, They didn't change their roles. They stayed in their lane. So what were their responsibilities? Okay. It says, the earth was without form and void. Do you feel like there's something in your life that's without form and void? Well, then you're in the right place at the right time. And here it says... And the Father got... It didn't say the Father. You would have thought the first person mentioned would have been the Father. But the first person mentioned in Scripture, and it's the second verse of the whole Bible, is the Holy Ghost. And yet, who's the one that's been sent to us, and why did Jesus have to go to the throne? You think it was finished when he came out of the grave. No, it wasn't. His job was not finished. It would have been very triumphant for Jesus, but Jesus alone, if he never ascended. See, he had to go up to the Father and present his blood at the very mercy seat of God. And once that blood was accepted as a once and for all redemption, Jesus went over and sat down. The first high priest to ever sit down. Because every other high priest under the old covenant, their job was never done. They'd sacrifice and then have to sacrifice and then have to sacrifice and have to sacrifice. And the sacrifices only covered the sin. It never removed it. So there was a consciousness of what? Sin. So people were always thinking about what they didn't do right and what they wanted to do right. And Paul said, you live like that. The things you want to do, you don't do. The things you don't want to do, you do. Like the law is beautiful in its essence, but it has no power to actually transform your life. Jesus sat down. Why? Because he finished those work once and for all. And what was he able to do once he sat down? Send the Holy Ghost. And that was what? That was the necessary ingredient to be able to raise up everyone 
who would call upon the name of the Lord to be exactly as Christ in the earth. Right? Isn't it interesting that the second verse in Scripture is going to give you information about the guy that we're hanging out with? Do you think maybe God was setting a precedent from the very onset of Scripture saying, this is how I do what I do, and this is the person you're going to want to pay attention to, so I want to write some things about him so you won't miss the Holy Ghost, and you'll be in a place where you can operate in this world of possibilities that the devil can't touch that world, and you can create realities in your life? And he put it in the second verse in Scripture. Come on, this is really, really good. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There's action. The Holy Ghost is always action. He's the living water, living water, rivers. He's moving. Amen. Out of your belly will flow rivers. Yes, he's moving. Holy Ghost needs you to move with him. So he's hovering. What does hover mean? It means to incubate. What does incubate mean? Well, it means that you're going to provide warmth because there's something that needs to come to manifestation. It needs to hatch. It needs to be birthed. It needs to change its form. And the heat of the mother hen will bring forth the egg to an actual chick. Right? And this is what the Holy Ghost does. Now, does the Holy Ghost do this after he's called upon or does he do this before he's called upon? In other words, if it's the first individual personality of the Godhead that's mentioned and he's hovering, that means he's actually the first one on the job site. Oh, God, that helps me so much because now I can't say I believe I receive my healing and I'm waiting on the manifestation. Because the Holy Ghost is the manifester and he is not late. You are not waiting on him to get there. You know, he's had a really busy day. With COVID, he's max. Come on, give him a break. It's a lot. I mean, you know, there was no flu, but there was COVID. I mean, with everybody, so. Heart disease plummeted. We didn't have any, but man, there was a lot of So the Holy Ghost has just really inundated. And I'm waiting on my manifestation. No, no, no. Look at what God did here. He gave you the right to know that the Holy Ghost is always early to the job. Mm. And he doesn't just get there twiddling his thumbs, thinking I got to wait until I have instructions. He gets there with movement. Let me ask you a question. Molecules, science. If you heat them up, do they go faster or slower? Ah, what about if you put cold on them? What do they do? Right? They slow down. So what's the Holy Ghost doing? He's warming things up. He's speeding up the atoms and the molecules that become one particle to another particle to another particle to another particle that end up becoming a new liver and a new kidney and new eyes that see and new lungs that breathe. Holy Ghost is making things move right now. Now, would it be wrong of us to maybe two or three times just say, like we see in the Scripture, and the Spirit of God is hovering. 
in this place. Would that be wrong? Would that be kind of asking too much of the Holy Ghost? In other words, if this is a precedent to know how he does what he does and why God has him mentioned first, then is it not right for us to say the Spirit of God is hovering in this place? He's warming you up. Say it with me. The Spirit of God God is hovering hovering upon me. me. He's warming me up. up. Preparing the soil soil for miracles, miracles, signs, signs, and wonders. wonders. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Somebody felt some heat go into their body, and all of a sudden they were healed. Wouldn't surprise me at all for somebody to just jump up and start moving a particular limb that you couldn't move. Wouldn't surprise me at all if somebody all of a sudden started going like this and realized, I can see. Well, brother, I'll do that when I can see. Ah, wrong order. Wrong order. Look at what the Scripture says next. Real quick, come on, we'll be done in a few minutes. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be... Who vocalized the thoughts of the Father? Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. Then God said, or you could say, then Jesus said, let there be light. And there was light. How come there was light so fast? Because the Holy Ghost was hovering, preparing for words that were filled with power to take his ability, put them together, and bring that which is not into that which is. And all of a sudden now, we're looking at an earth we think is so amazing because it's got hard copy to it, like this is really true. But you know, the Bible says, uh, uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but behold, my words will never pass. Because the strongest element in this earth is still the words of God. Not the mountains, not the hills, not the seas, praise the Lord, not the concrete, not the hard surfaces that still have space between every single molecule. But the words of God, Jesus said, my words are spirit and my words are life. See, he was taking something from that world and bringing it into this world. Holy Ghost is warming things up. Jesus said, light, let light be. And guess what? There was light. Now look at the rest of this. And it goes on to say, and God saw the light. Ah, oh, who's this one? God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light. So who saw the light? after it was created, and then stamped it with good. Well, probably the guy that had the blueprints in the first place. This is the Father. The Father is the originator of all thought. And the Holy Spirit takes those thoughts. He begins to what? Bring warmth and bring power into the situation that seems not, so that it becomes what is. Jesus is the one that articulated the will of the Father. Now we understand this a little bit because Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear my Father say it. What was he trying to tell us? I don't vary from the will of God. Now see, this is where Brother Keith was going with these wonderful thoughts about hospitality and generosity and staying connected to God. Abide in him and let his words abide in you. 
And then what? You'll ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. In other words, the divine connection that we have in God allows you to so much easier take from what is not and bring it into this world of what is. See, people are being healed right now in this room. Molecules are coming together. Bones are coming together. Muscles are coming together. Amen. Parts are ne- that are necessary in your body to be healed are being healed right now. I wish you could see it under a microscope. You get real excited, start running, start dancing, start shouting. But if we're not used to this, we just sit and we just listen. I've always liked watching popcorn. How come? Because somebody's got to go first. When the first kernel pops, everybody goes, that's a great idea. And then you have a whole bag of popcorn, right? But until the first one goes, everyone's sitting in the same heat just waiting for somebody to do their thing. Well, maybe we're waiting for somebody to do their thing. Might want to check yourself and see that, wow, my throat is perfect. Wow, the tumor's gone. Wow, my shoulder's actually feeling better. Wow, I can put pressure on this foot. The ankle is strong. Is it possible that the Spirit of God is hovering? And why would you do that? Unless there was something to create. I'm giving you a reason to be bold. Why did Jesus make everything look so easy? Because he wasn't doing his own will. He was adhering to exactly what the Father wanted him to do with complete trust that every step he was walking on somebody that was hovering. He's not in this alone, folks. That's why he would say things that he said. He would do things that he did. And he seemed so comfortable in doing it. What made him comfortable? He actually knew his father. He had a really tangible relationship with the Holy Ghost. And you put that together when you're in the middle, and you're very aware of what the Father wants you to do, and you're very aware of the presence of God that's upon you. What begins to happen? Knees become whole, ankles walk, tumors disappear, cancers die because of the connection. Is everybody doing okay? Amen. Maybe you're a popcorn. You went from a kernel to a fluffy little white corn. Why don't people test some things out right now? What am I endeavoring to do? Give your faith courage to experience God. This is where the church must go. We continue to learn all the wonderful things that God has given us in his word, these wonderful ways of operating with other people and walking in love. But what we're also learning is how to manifest the very presence of God. For the world will see demonstrations and they will run to the church. As long as they just hear what we say without seeing what God wants to perform, they'll just continue to say, well, it's just like they've always been. All bark and no bite. Amen. 
Why don't you run, why don't you run around the room? Now, just so you know, that's popcorn. Usually, when the first one goes, there are many that follow. There we go. You say, is this all about running? Well, you know what? If it was just about running, then good. Run. Stay awake. We're almost ready to be done, and everybody can use a good run. But maybe it's more than that. So why aren't you limping horribly after doing that? Because, not. Oh, it doesn't. That's my husband. I've been dealing with this for a while. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Oh, there you are. You snuck up on me. Amen. How are you doing, ma'am? Talking to you. What's that? Hey, isn't that awesome? So just in case you didn't get the memo, this is not just a ankle night. <laughs> Some may say, well, you know, that's a gift of the spirit of ankles. No, we're not talking about gifts of the spirit right now. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. So be more conscious of the Holy Spirit as a whole and let him do the things that are necessary that he does to help us. But be more conscious that you actually have the Holy Spirit within you. And the way that he functions is he warms you up and he prepares for things. You know, you know as, as a good quarterback, I actually played high school and uh, some college. I actually had all kinds of problems with my stomach. So I only made it through two years of college football. But, you know, the coach would send in a play. And the play was designed so that I would actually go back. Oh, you're running the wrong way. I know, but, but hold on. And the receiver would run forward. Now, he doesn't wait for me to throw it before he runs. He runs to where he needs to be, and I actually, if I'm good, will actually throw it to where he should be, knowing that when I release the ball, he's on his way to be there. So I have to trust him. He's got to trust me, and we've all got to trust that the coach sent in a good plan. Well, our Father sent in a plan. Jesus backs up, praise the Lord. He's looking the field over, and the Holy Ghost has already been warming things up in the end zone, going, here, I'm cherry-picking. Yes, I am. Right here, right here, right here, right here. And Jesus just lobs that ball exactly where it needs to be. And the Holy Ghost catches things and he manifests things. Because the job of the Spirit is the manifester. The job of Jesus is the operations manager. The job of the Father is the CEO. The Father comes up with the plan. Jesus takes the plan, the will of the Father, and he initiates it with words and with actions. And if he could get people to see it, then people like the woman with the issue of blood would come up and touch the hem, and he wouldn't even know who it was that touched him, and she already has her healing because she recognized he's the focal point of her faith, and if she'll act on her faith, if I can only but touch, if I can only but touch, if I can only but touch, then the power is already on him. Passion translation, I'm giving you an idea where we're going tomorrow. The passion translation said the power that was coming in and out of him went out of him into her. What? If you look at the note on the passion translation, it says the power that was coming in and out of him, for it always went in and out of him, was vibrating, twirling, and dancing. Jesus was... And somebody would shout, woo, and they'd get an electric shock. 
I was preaching in prayer school, and it was in SDC 1, 1278, the room that the evangelist, the hour before me, had a lab. A lab meant that each one of them prepared a 12-minute sermon, and they preached in front of their fellow, you know, students with one of the instructors who was then monitoring that class to give them some encouraging thoughts. Well, one of those evangelist guys got so excited in his sermon, he took off running, but it was back in the day where you had a little battery pack back here and a cord that was attached to the wall. And he took off running and popped that cord and was shouting all, well, they didn't fix it. They just stuck it back together and didn't tell me. So I stuck it in there, in, and, and I'm preaching. All of a sudden, I went, zzz. I thought, the anointing is strong today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then I preached a little bit more. And this time it was like, and I thought, this is not the anointing. And I took that thing off, and there's two little wires going right into my skin. I was the ground. Jesus. He had that stuff coming in and out of him. And if somebody, ooh, what's going on? You can see. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and walk around the room and enjoy what it's like to see. We were in Germany, laid hands on this little girl that came from Russia. So she was hearing me preach in English, hearing the translators in German, and then had to get it translated into Russian. She was blind. We laid hands on her and nothing. And yet I knew the power went into her. I, bzzz, I could feel it go into her. So I was satisfied something went in, but she was ready to leave. And I pleaded with her, don't go. We've got about five more, five more opportunities with sermons and times to get, we want to lay hands on you every time. That power went into you. By the third time we laid hands on her, she saw her grandmother's face for the first time. Now she's got this, this light in her eye. And before we left, she was walking around the mall reading signs. It wasn't perfect, but it went from not seeing anything to be able to see and read and articulate. See, the anointing, if you have to just continue to put it in somebody until it brings full fullness, then you just keep putting it in somebody. You say, well, do you ever wonder whether, you know, you got a blank? No. Did Jesus think he had a blank when he put it into that blind man and he saw like it were trees? Oh my gosh, I see it like men, like trees. You said, oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> no, he just said, hey, come here. Why? Because he realized there was a distribution of God, put another one in until it, how you doing there, brother? What are you seeing? Hey man, I do too then be what you believe. You've already activated that world. That's the world of possibilities. Come on up here and let me just give you a shot of this wonderful presence. You guys are starting to see how this works. Maybe tomorrow night we'll come even a little bit different in our mannerisms of how we actually get into this room. Because now we're realizing that even our praise and worship activates that other realm. Years ago, you know, there was a movie that says, slowly I turn, step by step. I don't know what it was. I just remember that line. 
without giving this away for what we're going to share tomorrow. When Moses turned aside to see why the bush burned but was not consumed, the next words are, God spoke. What? See, the place of confrontation where your flesh goes, okay, this isn't working, or I just need to do what I know to do, but the spirit overrides it, and you go with God, that's where the power gets involved. Notice Jesus was what? Led into the, led into the wilderness by the Spirit, but he returned in the what? Power of the Spirit. Why? He came up against a confrontation. And what did he do with each confrontation, which was the temptation? It is he overrode the flesh. He could have said, yeah, you know, things aren't going so well with these guys. I mean, I chose some real eight balls. I'll take that authority over all the nations. Yes, I will. I'll bow down and serve you. No, he did what? He overrode the flesh that could have yielded. You say, how, how come you know his flesh could have yielded? Listen, when did the devil tempt him? When he was hungry. Come on, in the background, it was like, aren't you hungry for... Okay. Why did the devil come when he was hungry? Because that's when he was what? Mindful of the flesh. That's the trigger. The more mindful of the flesh you are, the more he manipulates. The more mindful of the spirit you are, the more you create. And the more he stayed with what was written, the more he activated the power. So he came in the presence of the spirit, but he returned in a tangibility and an awareness of power. That's when he's decided, okay, it's time to start this thing. Are you hearing me? This is you. Everything I'm saying is you. It's how you do life. We just need to become accustomed. We need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay, my flesh is screaming. That's okay. Go past it. Trust God. Watch what he does. Wow, do you see that? Yes. It'll happen in every situation. What's God doing for you, brother? Yeah. Amen. Jump out in the hallway, take a, a nice good drink of water, okay? Come back in and tell us it's so. In the, ooh, glory. Name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You just got a wonderful impartation of that eye. Now take one more walk around this room and watch what you see. Amen. Okay? So you're not just believing, waiting. You're becoming, notice what I said, you're becoming what you believe. You say, wait a minute, I don't understand that. You're made in the image and likeness of God. Did God become what he believed? Yes. When he said, light be, it actually happened. Right? I spit on him. <laughs> it was on his jacket, so it didn't hit him in the face. And Aaron saw it. Then it started a family meeting over here. <laughs> it's better just to address it, you know? And get on. What's going on? So God's presence is on you. Do you think the Holy Ghost is hovering? 
mean, that's what the Scripture said. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Maybe you're having an encounter with God. Would you like to have a little bit more? Come on up here. Aaron, come on over and help me. Right behind you. What about you, hon? And something, is something you're hear, beginning to hear more with your ears? Okay, you want to come up here too? All right. Come on, I'm watching the clock. We're not trying to get you out late. But I wanted you to begin to see how God does what God does. Do you mind if I say it this way? It's very scientific. That's not a bad word used in the right way. The study of how something is done. Very scientific. Amen? Once the anointing is upon you, that anointing can actually be rubbed on somebody else. Rub on. Rub off. Are you with me? Right? Like when Jesus said, I just gave you power. Now give it away. You can do that. It's transferable. It'd be like saying, if I had oil on my hands, I could rub it on somebody else and you would have oil on you. Back in the day, we used to play basketball shirts and skins. I never liked playing against the shirts. Because you go up for a layup and get some real big guy that sweats buckets and you come down and go, right? What was on him? Got on you. Isn't that why Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me? In other words, he was saying, I've been lathered by the Holy Ghost. I'm greased over. If you touch me, you'll get something that's on me. So the woman with the issue of blood, when she heard that, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, don't even need to touch him, just the actual garment. Because what's in him is going to get into the garment. She wasn't planning on touching his physical skin or his physical garment. She was planning on touching the spirit of God that was upon him and recognized that it was actually in the garment. Where did she get that from? Well, the Old Testament had plenty of that, Right? Like Elisha, you know, he grabbed a hold of Elijah's mantle, and then he said, let's see if God's in here. <laughs> Struck the water, and he goes, okay, he's in there. <laughs> right? And then the trick was, how do I get him on me without dying? I'm alive. You know, you can, you can hear him out there by himself, probably running around the room. I'm not dead. He's on me, right? Because the moment that God's on him, now look at the things that he did. With some of the things he did, he didn't even ask God for, Mickey. There's, there's, uh, there's um, what's it called? Poison in the pot, in the stew. Because they sent somebody out who didn't know what to do. So he got gourds that were poisonous. Well, what would you do with that pot? You'd throw it out, scour the pan, and start all over and get somebody else to get the right gourds. Would you not? Isn't that the sensible thing to do? What does Elisha say? Well, once the Spirit of God is upon you, whatever you deem possible, we're made in the image and likeness of God, it's the realm of possibility. He said, oh, don't throw it out. Just put a little flour in it. Well, what do you want? Thicker gravy? 
No, numbskull, what I want to do is get rid of the poison. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, the presence that's on me will come on you if you obey what I said. So, so step to it, put the flower in there, and the moment the flower went in, so did the presence of God. When they stirred it up, the presence of God went into every bit of poison and killed it and made the stew better than it ever would have ever been and probably never was that good. Why? Scientifically, he took what was on him and he put it inside the pot. Did he ask God for that help? He didn't need God for that help because he had become accustomed using it himself. Does that mean he only just used it himself? No, he would constantly listen. There were times the word of the Lord came unto Elisha saying, do this, and then he did it. But there's other times he just did something because he knew how it worked. That's an Old Testament prophet. We're New Testament sons. He just had a little bit of God on him that we call death compared to what we have now. And Jesus is living in our skin so that everything that Jesus did, we're able to actually duplicate that because he lives in us. If you're concerned about whether you have an anointing, at least recognize that he has an anointing and he's inside of you. So whatever he's got, you've got. And if he can use it, you can use it. <laughs> Jesus, wonderful, precious name. Just take more of this until your heart just gets really good and saturated. Hallelujah. Take some more of this. Ears, just free to hear. Wow. Amen. Why don't you walk around while I'm, while I'm just working with the people and start hearing, okay? Lift, lift your hands, everybody. Come on, we're not going to keep you long. We're just sharing something that we're going to share a little bit more in depth tomorrow. And then we're going to minister tomorrow and watch people just get so wonderfully touched by God. Tonight was an opportunity for you to get some things right in this service yourself. And it's still here for you. I see tendons being healed right over in this area, right over here. Tendons being healed. Whoever that is, you've had problems with tendons. God's healing those tendons right now. Wow, praise the Lord. Someone's tailbone in this section right here is being healed. Who is that? Jump up right now. Someone in this section, tailbone. Jump up right now. You're being healed right here. Tailbone, jump up, wave at me. Come on, people are worshiping the Lord. That's good. But there's somebody's tailbone being healed. I believe it's in this section right here. Who had the problems with the tendon over here? All the way in the back? Amen. Step up and begin to just do a little bit of what? Stretching. Wherever that problem was, was it in the hands? Okay, well then do that with the hands and see what God just did. Some of you are doing some things with your fingers. That's good. What about the tailbone? Who in here has had a report of cancer? Come up here. This is the last thing we're going to do tonight. We're going to release this wonderful presence in you to kill the cancer. Now, here's a thought. Have you lost some weight because of this cancer? Yes. Okay. But you're not dead yet, are you? No, sir. So if the cancer was just supposed to kill you, lickety split, how come it hasn't? Because God's been with you. And there's more alive in you than dead, isn't there? Because the day that there becomes more dead in you than alive, then you'll be dead. 
Isn't that right? Yes. So there's more alive in you than death. So then there's more cells that are alive and active and powerful and with God's help will kill all these things that are dying in you called cancer. Because we can real easily look at this and look at the negative side of it and say, see, this just isn't, this just isn't working. I'm, I'm going down steadily. No, you're still pretty much alive. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. And if you're pretty much alive, then we're going to tap over into this other world. It's called the world of possibilities. And I feel that presence in my hands right now. And that presence goes into your body right here. And everybody will believe with me that the Holy Ghost has been hovering over this gentleman. And his work is always successful and productive. Holy Spirit, I know you know how to do exactly what you do so perfectly. So I call every cancer cell a lie. Release this wonderful glory into it and kill every cancer cell and cause them to die. And this man's body lives from this moment on. And even within the next 24 hours, it begins to change and it'll tell us some wonderful things because you work so quickly and so effectively in Jesus' wonderful name. What about you, brother? Did you have some type of report on your life? I've got asbestos in my lungs. Asbestos in your lungs. Amen. We talked about lungs tonight. Yes. That God was doing something in lungs. Put your hands on your lungs just like that. And the wonderful, wow, wow, wow. I don't need to pray, do I? You felt that power go into you the moment I touched you. No, I felt it. Yeah. That's the glory of God. That's your healing, brother. That's your victory. That's your, I bet you you probably couldn't, you know, move quickly because you couldn't take deep enough breaths. Is that correct? Heel on my left hand. Yeah, yeah. Well, I bet you you can actually run down that aisle right I'll now. Try. Well, don't try. Just do it. Now run all the way back up here. And this time don't take so long because we don't have all night. Now, I want you to tell me. You don't have to fabricate anything. We're all just honest people here. What kind of change is happening in your body? My heel didn't hurt as bad. Yeah? My leg's kind of weird. Yeah, well, let me... Come up all the way. Okay. That's my problem. Well, maybe it's, it's not your problem. 30 years that's happened. I couldn't be able maybe, to... Maybe God actually did something for you tonight. I just can't raise it up. I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just stop all trying. And just go again. Don't think about anything. This is, the kind, this is the kind of thoughts that if you play golf, this is the kind of thoughts you need. Stop thinking about it. Stop trying. Just do it, right? Will you tell me that next time we play? Thank you. How are those lungs doing? My lungs feel all right. They do, don't they? Yes, they certainly do. Hey, man, put your hands out just like mine, just like mine. Like mine. There you go. Father, thank you that from this moment, this gentleman not only has lungs that are being repaired, but wow, even a hip that's changing. Yes. Amen. Thank you. And uh, a hip that's growing out, you know, where the legs are normal, normal uh, length and all. Yeah. Right. Can God do all that? Always. 
It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yes. Now just take one more walk up there, all right? What about you, sir? Um, I was diagnosed prostate cancer. Diagnosed prostate cancer, yeah? So when you were speaking, though, it's like the inside, my inside, yeah. is like vibrating. Yeah, he and said... I, and I don't make this stuff up. So. Right, right. You're not a, a make-it-up person. Amen. Good. I'm glad. He said when we were speaking, the area where his prostate is, down here, he said, was all vibrating. Well, let me, let me ask you. Um, Jesus was vibrating and dancing and twirling because that's what the anointing does. Holy Ghost is real, real wild. He's, he would wear the crazy suit. <laughs> he, would, he would put on the fast. He would, he would do this. Right here. <laughs> he, he would do all the things everybody else wouldn't do. Okay? That's why when he's hovering and people just go like this. They're sitting down on him. Because when you get with him, you'll, you'll, you'll want to dance. You'll want to shout. You'll want to run. Even in life church. You'll just get an inkling like, you know what? I don't care if anybody sees me or not. I just want to run. Like I've been sitting on this stove here for the last hour, and I'm well ready to spout. Will somebody just be the first colonel and pop because I want to run? See, that one lady ran, and no one else helped her. You all just sat there. Now we've got a colonel. And she's running. You say, well, what does running have to do? Well, number one, remember we said, running is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Just go to the right. Go to the right. Let's, let's start something in this yeah, you got to go to the right. <laughs> if we're going to be a wild church, you have to go to the right so that people don't die. <laughs> Stay right there. We're not done expressing our gratitude to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Now you feel that. That becomes even greater. <laughs> now, if you don't think, you won't sink. 
<laughs> That's why you get full of the Holy Ghost, because then you don't think. You're like, huh? <laughs> what? What's the possibility all that stuff just died? Strong. Yeah. Yeah. Strong. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing, mister? I'm all right. Yeah. You seeing what this guy's getting? Yeah. Getting a little touch of God. I bet he doesn't do that every Sunday. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's all right to get happy. You got a reason to. All that asbestos? Yeah. Amen. God's replaced it with air. Yeah. Lung tissue. Healing and health. And I'm going to put it to you like this. If in the next 24 hours, by the time I see you tomorrow night, if you can come back and tell me, which you will, that my lungs are amazing, then if God can do that, then, then let that be the catalyst of the reason why you don't have to be like this with your legs. Let's take it one step at a time. Are you okay with that? Yes. So come back tomorrow, and you let me see. Yes. Why? Because now your faith is being built up. Yes. Right? Yes. Because when, when, we, when we first started, when we first started, you were more on the, let's just see if this might work. Okay? Now we're over into, look at what God has done. Yes. So if you see this, why wouldn't you see that? And why wouldn't you get up in the middle of the night and do your own little jig like that? I haven't even ran in so many years. I can't stand. You, know? you haven't even run in so many years? Nope. It's really possible you could actually do it. <laughs> Don't think, brother. Don't think. Don't think. Just do. Oh, that was in Maverick. Remember that movie? Maverick Top Gun. Don't think. Just do it. Do. Come on. Thank you. You're not the same. No, I'm not. So tomorrow, I want to hear about how the lungs are 100% amazing. And then the cool thing is, is, you don't have to wait on that. Okay? You were really trying to take over the sermon, weren't you? <laughs> I, I saw that twinkle in your eye. How about you? Lung cancer in my brain. It paralyzed my left side. Yeah. Cancer's a nasty thing, isn't it? Yes, it, it is. Straight yeah. But we're the ones made in the image and likeness of God. We're the ones that can reach over into the world of possibilities and bring it into this one. Aaron, if you come and help me right here, this is the last one we'll lay hands on, right? Yeah, there you go. Go ahead and put your hands on her. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, thank you for what's happening right now. Thank you for what's happening. Ooh, something just happened right now. Amen, amen, amen. You know, when Jesus felt that power go out of him into that one with the issue, I just felt that power come out of me and go into you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just like that gentleman that said, man, there's something buzzing inside of me. Hallelujah. God's buzzing inside of you. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for it. Wow. Amen. 
Put your hands up, everybody. We're going we're gonna to conclude right here. Father, we thank you even for this woman. Complete freedom from this cancer. Release of all the tissue, nerve endings from her back to her arms to her bones. And we just thank you, Lord. This is the beginning of so many demonstrations and manifestations in this house that even the atmosphere will change and the expectation will become infectious. Wow. I mean, are you getting some of that right there? That's going right in you. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want to get up, ma'am, and walk around, you can. Jesus doing something in your life that's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. Hallelujah. Yep. Hallelujah. There you go. Just worship. Worship. Let's worship with her. Thank you, Lord.